Hello, everyone. Welcome to another message for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. And this message is for Sunday, June the 25th, 2023. Thank you so much for joining me today. My name is Melvin Gaines. We're going to go ahead and get started with today's message with a word of prayer. Father, we are just so thankful to be present and be right in front of you right now, Lord, where we want to hear you speak to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your teaching and we thank you for your encouragement. And Lord, there are times where we even have to thank you for when you chastise us or when you tell us that we need to be doing something much more than what we have been doing. And Lord, we thank you for those moments where you do truly tell us and show us that you love us and you are concerned for us. And we thank you, Lord, for those reminders. And we thank you that we always want to be obedient to your will and you teach us accordingly. Thank you, Lord. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Last week, my lovely bride and I were out with family members as part of our gathering together for my uncle's funeral. The funeral was early Thursday afternoon, and it was followed by a repast later that day at a local hotel. It seems that we only use the word repast as part of the homegoing ceremonies. Repast simply means a meal. Our meal was more than adequate. Fried chicken, corn chowder, potatoes, pulled pork with the option of eating it as sliders, uh, corn on the cob, and the option of selecting for a dessert either a peach cobbler or a slice of cheesecake. I know I'm leaving something out here, but you get the idea. There was also more food when we got together on Friday afternoon when we all went to BJ's restaurant. Everything from pizza to baby back ribs and jambalaya. And then Saturday morning at the original Pancake House. Needless to say, family get-togethers, if unchecked, can get out of hand because everything is centered around eating comfort food. There are occasions when food becomes less desirable or even inedible. For example, if you don't cook chicken properly, it can be problematic for the consumer. If you overcook it, chicken will burn and not taste very good. If you undercook it, whatever you eat can make you very sick. You know that it's important not to leave a sandwich with mayonnaise out for too long. You need to eat it right away. If the bread on your plate accidentally comes in contact with water, it turns into something that I can barely type right now because the visual of it makes me sick just thinking about it. Let's look at what we, as believers in Jesus, consume and what we should avoid and reject altogether. We all know there are plenty of options out there. When it comes to food, there are good choices for food, but even in those situations, it's always unhealthy when we overeat. In the same manner, when it comes to information and messaging, we are to use discernment with the filtering of the Holy Spirit. We need to watch the news and information that we can consume. Too much of this consumption can create an unhealthy situation or an imbalance in how we see the world today. If believers are not careful, we may find ourselves embracing or going along with things of the world just to get along with others. I fear this has already happened in many circles. 
I readily acknowledge that I have to measure what I take in from today's media. I want to know what's going on around me, but I had to establish some personal parameters. I will not take in any television or radio media. And the simple reason for this is that these types of media often include only headline news and seldom get into anything substantive for consumption. I also limit my time on the Internet and only seek out vetted news groups that provide a more complete picture that goes beyond the headlines. That really consists of no more for me than two or three different sites. This creates the balance that works best for me. But even with these safeguards, everything needs to be tested with the word of God at your fingertips. One of our greatest challenges as believers is to continue to build and grow in our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We must, at all costs, resist the ways of the world and unwittingly incorporating worldliness within our faith. We must prevent such a watering down of the faith that we become a wishy-washy Christian. Wishy-washy is an adjective and it's defined as feeble or insipid, as in lacking in flavor or lacking effort in quality or character. It also points to one who lacks in strength or boldness. These characteristics are the exact opposite of what a believer in Christ should be. A wishy-washy Christian is a person who is negatively impacted by the world and the cares of the world, and as a result, is diminished in stature and in character. None of us want to be wishy-washy by nature. We certainly don't need to stay that way if we ask Jesus for help. We need to be more like the Father who cried out to Jesus, Help my unbelief. Let's look at what is said here. Turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Mark chapter 9 and let's look at verses 20 through 24 mark chapter 9 verses 20 through 24 now we're going to be looking at the english standard version mark chapter 9 verses 20 through 24 starting with verse 20 And they brought the boy, the boy being the one with the unclean spirit, to him, Jesus. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed uh, the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Verse 21, And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and water, into water, to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Verse 23, And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Verse 24, Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And that's where many of us are in life, right? Amen? Remember what Jesus says here, though, about faith and what it is possible for you the believer in Jesus Christ. Remember these words. All things are possible for one who believes. We need to continue to build upon our faith and seek God's wisdom each 
and every day. Please turn your Bibles and electronic devices to James chapter 1. Let's take a look at verses 5 through 8. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. James 1, verses 5 through 8. James 1, let's start with verse 5. This is the New Living Translation. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Verse 7, such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. To be wishy-washy is to be unstable. And there are more unflattering symptoms for wishy-washy Christians. In all seriousness, churches today are loaded with them for one simple reason, and it points right back to what James says in verse 8. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. If loyalties are divided, what can happen to you? Well, let's take a look at an example of what can happen. Uh, go to Matthew chapter 12, verses 22 through 28. Matthew 12, verses 22 through 28. And you have to understand that it's not about, when we read this passage here about a demon-possessed man, uh, that can happen to a Christian. That's not what we're talking about here, so be very clear about that. We're not talking about being possessed by a demon. But a lot of what we're looking at here, when we look at these things that are being said, and those who oppose Jesus, who don't believe in him, you're going to fall into a trap here. Look at, so look at what it says here in verse 22 of Matthew chapter 12. This is the Christian Standard Bible Version. Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and unable to speak was brought to him, brought to Jesus. He healed him so that the man could both speak and see. All the crowds were astounded and said, could this be the son of David? Verse 24, when the Pharisees heard this, they said, this man drives out demons by only Beelzebul, the ruler of the demons. Verse 25, knowing their thoughts, he told them, every kingdom divided against itself is headed for destruction and no city or house of divided against itself will stand. Verse 26, if Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom your sons drive, by whom do your sons drive them out? For this reason, they will be your judges. If I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So what we're looking at here is that if we follow the world's teaching, we're going to wind up in being in a place where we're going to be ineffective. We're not going to be, we're going to be divided against ourselves in the body of Christ. That's ineffective in ministry. But this previous passage I just read to you lends guidance for a couple of matters that I believe Jesus wants all of us to know and understand for application in today's world. Today's world. Very important for us to see that. The Bible is timeless. The word of God is timeless. It has application 
all throughout time as it exists for us. Number one, one of the things he wants us to know here, he's challenging our faith. He's challenging our faith. He challenged the Pharisees as to their belief in Jesus, but it was apparent they chose not to believe because of the response and how he healed the man who was blind and mute. Remember, they saw the healing right before their eyes and still decided to question or try to cut down Jesus. We all know that everything that's asked, anything that's asked of each believer is to simply have faith. In our moments of weakness, we are strong as we rely upon Jesus. If we rely upon our faith, that's what gets us going and that's what keeps us moving forward. The second thing I think that Jesus wants to teach us here is that he wants you to choose the light of Jesus over the world's darkness. And Jesus is reminding us that we cannot serve two masters. Serving two masters, the Lord and also the world, is nothing less than double-minded. Double-minded. Please take a look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. And for the sake of discussion, you can also find the exact same verbiage in Luke chapter 16, verse 13. But let's go ahead and read from Matthew 6, verse 24. Uh, this is the English Standard Version. And because the Gospels are synoptic, this passage is actually the exact same verbiage. Uh, verse 24, Matthew 6, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Very important. Here's another passage that goes even a little bit deeper than that. Flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians 10, and we're going to look at verses, verse 21. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 21, and this will be from the English Standard Version. First Corinthians 10, verse 21. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Now, before you think that the use of choosing between the Lord and the demons is harsh, I'm adding my hat into the ring that this is actually why we have so much division within a number of our churches. Either we stand on God's word and teach truth or we acquiesce and commune with the demons. If we can't speak the truth with God's word and speak openly about the dangers of living in sin, then we have chosen the wrong side. Paul is warning the Corinthians about following idols and committing sexual immorality. What's the biggest talking point today? It's no longer about keeping matters of idolatry and sexual preferences in private. It's all out in the open and in our faces virtually every day. And anyone who opposes these things is subject to ridicule and shouts of bias 
and homophobia. Satan is clever. He's clever enough to make this movement all about pride and making it a good thing. When we all should know that pride is the sin that leads to death. In the book of Genesis, Cain presented an offering to God that he was very proud of. But the Lord rejected it. Abel, his brother, presented an offering that was not only good, but pleasing to God. Cain resented Abel for how he was able to please God and because his own offering was essentially worthless. He was very angry about all of this. Please note that God knew exactly where Cain was in his heart. Turn back to Genesis chapter 4 and let's look at verses 6 and 7. Genesis chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And I'll be reading from the New International Version. But look at what is said here. Genesis 4, starting at verse 6. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, listen very carefully. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Amen. Sinful behavior begins with pridefulness. It's about doing whatever you want to do without regard for God or what he knows is best for you. Cain's anger led to more sin. His pride led to the death of his brother. Another clever way that Satan promotes the worldly message of love is by taking one of God's attributes, love, which is mentioned in 1 John 4, 8, about God being love, and stretching it out to declare that love is love, quote-unquote. It is a declaration that all expressions of love are acceptable, and it's because, hey, God is love, and that's why it's promoted. This is the underlying message of today's pride movement. God's word makes it very clear that it is unwise and foolish to throw around the word love as a permission to do whatever you want to do. In all honesty, the word love in the following instance is better described as lust. Are we living in a time where destruction of those who oppose God is imminent? Consider the wickedness of everyone on earth during the days of Noah before the great flood event. Consider the people of Sodom and Gomorrah when God couldn't find as few as ten righteous people in those cities to stave off destruction. It all begins with Satan's deception. Please turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. Romans 1, verses 18 through 23. We will be continuing in that section as we go but it's very important for us to see what god says about all of this romans 1 verses 18 through 23 and remember the other thing too is there's nothing new under the sun 
this letter to the Romans is writing to them about the lifestyles that take place that took place in the Roman Empire. And a lot of it was very similar to what we're looking at today. Verse 18, Romans 1. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. Verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Verse 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. As believers, we have the word of God declaring all throughout its pages, its chapters, its books of how mankind has repeatedly turned their backs on God. The penalty for this rejection is that God also rejects them. Let's continue in Romans 1. Pick up at verse 24. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Verse 26, Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Let's continue. Verse 28. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do, ought, do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. None of us want to see these people be ruined. Some of these may be people we know and love. We don't want to see their destruction. But that's what awaits them. In spite of how they live, God still loves them. 
Is there a conflict here? Absolutely not. God is holy and righteous. He abhors sin. These lost people, if they merely turn from their ways and seek Jesus as Lord, will experience his miraculous saving power. This happens more than we know as we serve a miraculous God. Remember what we said earlier. All things are possible through Jesus. He says that in Luke 18, 27, what is impossible with man is possible with God. We serve a Savior who does the impossible. With that being said, why are there so many wishy-washy Christians? Why are churches today full of them? It's because of fear, of pushback against the lost, and a lack of faith. Plain and simple. Fear of pushback. Fear of reprisals. A lack of faith. If we say we love these people, and we do, we don't move, and we don't move in the spirit to stand firm in our faith, we are operating outside of God's will. Ultimately, we're guilty as they are. Turn to James chapter 4. Let's look at verses 13 through 17. I want you to see something here that's very important. If we don't fulfill our responsibility as believers in Jesus Christ by going into the world, preaching the gospel, speaking up for the truth, standing in the truth, and sometimes standing to hold your ground, if we're not doing that, we're in sin. James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. This is the Christian Standard Bible. Verse 13, Come now you who say, Today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. Verse 14, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. For you are like a vapor, that appears for a little while, then vanishes. Verse 15, instead you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So it is sin to know the good and yet not do it. Many of us need to humble ourselves before God. And I mean get down on your knees or lay prostrate before him. If you can't get on your knees, get a knee pad. We need to repent from our lack of faith and our wishy-washy behavior. God calls us to move and act in faith and use the tools that he has freely given us to stand firm in the wonder-working power of Jesus Christ. Our struggle today is all about good versus evil. Repent and then stand in the power of Christ. Please turn to Ephesians chapter 6 and let's look at verses 10 through 13. Ephesians 6 verses 10 through 13. And this will be from the NIV version. Ephesians 6, 
verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. There is no time or place in the body of Christ for wishy-washy Christians. Pray that the Lord gives you courage, strength, and endurance. Believers in the Lord Jesus Christ must ratchet up their faith. And trust that God will prevail in the battle for our very souls. Let's pray. Lord, your message sometimes is very intense. And there's a lot to take in from what you have to say. And yet, Lord, even as you love us, you remind us that there are times we really need to step up to the plate and stand firm in your faith. And at times, just be more vocal about it. In spite of what the world tells us. And Lord, we want to move as the Spirit moves. We don't want to get ahead of you. And we certainly don't want to fall behind. So Lord, help us to always be ready and present when it's time to speak up about your name and your goodness. And Lord, may we be attractive to those who don't know us or understand us. Where observation of who we are, Lord, that they can see something different about us that makes us approachable or that you will call to our attention those individuals who need to know more about your truth. Lord, we want to be open and active and ready to speak to anyone who comes to us. Lord, make it so. And Lord, as you make it so, give us the strength to endure. Lord, may we always keep the armor handy. May we always be ready to use your word as the sword. May we always prepare each day in the word so that we can speak your truth. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the ministry you've given to us. Lord, we don't want to embarrass you or be ashamed. And we don't want to in any way, shape or form Bring your name down. We want to glorify your name. Help us to be the best that we can be to do that very thing for you. Lord, we do pray for the lost. The people of this world, the people even in our general vicinity that are living a lie because they've been greatly deceived by Satan. The battle has been on for a long time. But Lord, we want to be prepared to, if necessary, stand and speak and use the words that you give to us about your goodness, about your truth. Lord, we want to stand behind the words you've written. Because all you write about is truth. 
And we thank you, Lord, for the ministry opportunities that can come. Lord, we don't want to be fearful. We want to be strong. We know that fear is a natural thing, but faith overcomes fear. We want to have more faith in you. Lord, we thank you. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me today for the message for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church for Sunday, June 25th, 2023. The message is don't be a wishy-washy Christian. Take care of yourselves. God bless you. We'll see you next time.